My name is Derek Smith, and this is the Truth or Derek Show, or the Truth or Derek Podcast with Truth or Derek, whatever you want. The Truth or Derek sitting around and rapping with lawyers about nonsense, which, hey, I enjoy it. You guys can be enjoying it. I know uh, our man Josh and friends enjoy it. As you know, they're back today. Uh, Josh was actually rattling around in court a little bit later than he thought he might be, so... Uh, uh, he comes in a little bit later on in the interview, but uh, it's all good. We get a really good chance to mix it up with Franz, with Josh. We get to cover all that fun stuff. And uh, we didn't talk too much about some of the cases today. We got the chance to get into some other stuff. So uh, yeah, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It did go a little bit long, though, so I'm probably going to have to uh, keep this not brief, but just quick and to the point. You know what I mean? And speaking of quick and to the point... You guys love podcasting. I love podcasting. So we all love www.podstars.net. Get ready to take your podcasting career to the next level. Podstars is a talented and passionate community that will give you the opportunity to interview top professionals from a variety of industries while they will share their insights and experiences with your audience. Uh, Plus, everybody will have access to the exclusive celebrity catalog featuring some of the best in the business, both new and established, including... Uh, fantastic bronze and sensational shift. Uh, Podstars is free to join. As a member, you can choose from the catalog of celebrities to interview on your podcast. And if interested, for an additional monthly fee of only $8.99 a month, you can upgrade to the community plan. A completely different and exciting catalog full of some of the best experts and professionals in their fields today, as well as access to everybody in the whole Podstars universe. It is a great way to invest in your podcast, as you will save time and money by being able to uh, book guests <laughs> from one platform with an expansive catalog that is constantly being added to. <laughs> Maybe I should have the AI do this. I seem to be tripping all over it today. So why wait? Join www.podstars.net now and start exploring all that they have to offer. You will not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to elevate your podcasting career and be a part of the exciting community. Oh, an exciting community it is. Again, you know our man's... Uh, Josh and Franz are on there. They're going to be by shortly. Again, we went a little bit long. It's only because uh, uh, Franzi got in here earlier. And uh, him and I, we just started mixing it up. Josh uh, hopped in, and uh, Franz had to go do some TV stuff. So Josh hung around. It was really fun. We got a chance to mix it up. Uh, mix it up big time. Uh, I got uh, a ton of feedback. I don't, I'm not going to be able to get to that much today, but I think we're going to have to obviously throw in another maybe solo episode just to cover all the stuff because uh, I do love all the stuff that you guys send me and I do want to get to a whole bunch of it. I got to, (laughs) somebody sent me, I mean, this has just got to be the sweetest job you've ever heard in your entire life. I don't know if uh, everybody out there is familiar, well, everybody's probably familiar with, um, uh, Wheel of Fortune. You guys know the the host, paid, uh, Pat Sajak. Now tell me this, because like I had heard about this years ago, but I didn't know the sweet deal that he had. I remember the the sweet deal that I think Drew Carey got on uh, TPIR, as they call it in the industry, when the rest of us call it the Price is Right. Um, a lot of people don't realize Jeopardy is the same deal. Uh, all those episodes are filmed in one day. So you might only work a Monday, maybe a Tuesday, if there's like a special thing going on and all that sort of thing. But uh, they'll film all those in, you know, they'll film five or six episodes or more or less or whatever, but usually in one day. And, uh, you know, you get paid for the five episodes and all that. But I guess production-wise, it's cheaper, so they don't mind shelling out for the talent. But uh, the deal Pat Sajak has, because you're thinking, okay, 
Okay, one day a week. <laughs> so you got to work 52 days a year. Well, no, that's not it either, because uh, I know they don't run a lot of new episodes sort of, uh, all the time, so they, they do seasons and whatnot. So the, the deal, Sajak's retiring, okay? He's 74, I want to say. Uh, he's had this job for 41 years. Now, like all the other ones, they film them all in one day. So the genius that Pat Sajak is and the deal that he cut, because uh, it's one of those shows, uh, if you read about it, they still draw like a 7 or $8 million per episode viewing, which is fantastic. So it just... It's just one of those things. It's fun to watch. Uh, people are into it. It goes on in prime time, and it just works. But Sajak managed to cut a deal for $14 million a year, and he works 35 days a year. So, you know, you go in on your Monday or your Friday. You rattle off five of these things. People spin the wheel. You say, oh, yeah, uh, T. Vanna goes over there, spins the letter around. Good to go. Um. Uh, so if anybody knows, uh, <laughs> if anybody knows anybody, can you throw my name in the hat for that and uh, <laughs> tell them I'll do it for half? <laughs> I'll do it for a third of that, and I'll work a few extra days. Why not? I'll, I'll clean up the set after they're done. Uh, yeah. So thank you for setting that in. We were talking. Um, we were talking. I came across. We we heard about this story a while ago. Um, about the. Uh, the Harvard, um, the Harvard science, like the their their human body science area. So these people that were in charge of that, and every time there's a bunch of these. Again, we'll have to get into it more and more. We'll we'll do like a corruption episode because I'm always amazed when these stories come across and you see what I don't want to say they sold their soul, but they obviously people get up to some really weird shit. Like you've heard about like. Um, you know, the underground organ market and, you know, the the Chinese mafia, the organ thieves and people, you know, selling uh, livers and kidneys for, you know, 250 grand, 300 grand. You're getting a heart or a skin or just organs. Just the whole thing is crazy. I know uh, there's one that happened in New York and it probably happens a lot more than that. But this is just the one that stuck out in my head where like, you know, a guy goes to a bar and gets hit on by a pretty lady. And then he just wakes up on a park bench <laughs> with a like a scar on them, and like someone's taken out one of his kidneys or part of his liver, which it sounds insane, but it actually does happen because you know money talks. I'll have to. I, I'm going to get into it more next week because I do have a I do have a weird uh, organized crime money story, which uh, I just got to make sure that uh, I don't say any names or anything because some of those people are still alive. Um, but the, the one in particular, we're speaking of the, uh, the Harvard medical center. That's what, that's what I was trying to get out. They, um, they got caught. Now, again, I saw the story and they're like, the only reason I'm talking about it now is because this case actually got dismissed somehow, somehow, some way these people got managed to get away with it. So people would donate, um, you know, I don't know if it was alumni or whatever, but they would donate their bodies to science after they died. So these people, there was four of them, I believe, uh, that worked in this system that, uh, you know, they'd get, the, they'd get the body fresh after it died, uh, do whatever they did to it. But then they were taking off skin. They had them, the, the, the part of the, the, the story that I read was that they were selling skin, whole heads, faces, 
uh, some organs, some stuff like that. But uh, the, the, that was the main one that, that, that caught my eye. Now, if you're thinking you're like morally bankrupt, but okay, you listen, maybe you need the money. Maybe you've figured out a way to make a few million dollars and, you know, do whatever. But then I saw that the 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 case, the, the, you know, the fraud case or whatever it was that they had attached to it. It was like, oh, they had made away with, you know, $45,000 worth of stuff. And I just thought to myself, like, that's not nearly enough. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes when you go grocery shopping or something like that, uh, you know, if a, if a steak is like 15 bucks, okay, that's, you know, it is what it is. You want to have a steak. Maybe you go get it on sale. So it's like nine, nine fifty or 10 bucks. Okay. You know what? You know, I'll take the 25, 30% off. No problem. But if you go to a grocery store, they have a steak for like a dollar. You're going to be like, you know what? I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want this. I, I don't want to be involved with uh, stuff that's a little bit too discounted. So. We were just saying the people that are selling the organs for like two and three hundred thousand. When I saw that the these people had only banked forty five thousand, I was like, well, "What are they doing? Like, what is this?" So again, they they managed to get the the charge dismissed, but uh, the the I mean, they were red handed. That's why I didn't get a chance to bring this up with Josh and Franz because this story just came across my desk today. But I'll do it next time because they had like. Um, when you send a, a Venmo or an e-transfer or whatever like that, there's usually like in the memo or some sort of a receipt. They, <laughs> they had in the court records where the guy had sent them like 350 bucks and instead of the note <laughs> for human head number seven. Uh, one of the other ones said for like a square foot of human skin. But the one that caught my, uh, the one that caught my, my attention the most was one of the guys bought two faces like two human faces for what i don't know i'm i'm surprised it's obviously some sort of weird shit but um yeah it was six hundred dollars so like i've told this story to a dozen people since i read it this morning and everyone's like you know for two human faces or a human head you're, you're probably thinking 10 20 grand and all that sort of thing like I don't know if it was a dark web situation or if it was a word of mouth, but it was like if I was in the market for human faces and somebody comes along and goes, oh, yeah, no, I can get you two of those for $600, I, I would just be like, no, I don't want those. They they, they, <laughs> they seem like they might have been those ones that were sitting around uh, too long or maybe there's something wrong with them or they're missing something. Like It just it seems like it would be worth way more money. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... Again, you guys, I love uh, always with uh, news stories. You come across anything like that. Well, if you guys listen to the show, you know some. Uh, you, you know <laughs> what we're into. We love anything weird or corruption or anything like that. You guys know you can reach out to me on Twitter at Derek Vampire Slayer, um, an email uh, podstars with a z dot connect at outlook dot com, or just uh, Google or use the <laughs> use the World Wide Web to Google the Truth or Derek show or the Truth or Derek podcast, all that stuff that comes up is like the uh, distribution company and all that sort of thing. You can send me messages through all that. Now on YouTube, a bunch of views we got uh, with the videos on YouTube. I didn't know that was going to go over as well as it did. So, um, yeah, you just uh, appreciate you guys. You know, I really, uh, I really love the listeners. I love the feedback and all that sort of thing. So always keep all that coming. Uh, We'll always give a a shout out to... (laughs) To what has quick become one of our favorite bits on here is uh, taking something that I said the previous week and slowing it down so I sound drunk. 
Uh, as always, I will say I have not been drinking, but uh, let's hear what it might sound like if I did. And again, a shout out to our jewels in New Jersey for floating this idea by me because uh, <laughs> uh, whatever I get positive or negative feedback, everyone loves this bit. And uh, before I get to that, speaking of feedback, uh, I did get a few people telling me that sometimes when we're talking about um, some of the legal stuff, uh, it's a little bit confusing. Honestly, it's confusing to me, too. Uh, you know, the the whole thing about this show is uh, you love to have people on that are a little bit more intelligent than you that uh, know more. Because then other than that, it's just imagine me interviewing me, how awful that would be. <laughs> I'll see if we can mix up some audio if we can do that. Maybe we'll throw in like a three-way conversation where I interview an AI robot and another version of myself that talks slow. Which sounds like a good bit. And speaking of bits, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, yeah, protocol, protocol. And everyone was just like, fuck off. Why are you here? Never gets old. And the guy's like, oh, I did this as Public safety, you know what? Uh, this, uh, this is uh, this is this, and I need you. What car is yours? <laughs> and you can't do this. And you can't do that. I really hope I don't sound like that. I just remember the guy was sitting just there running. This, this is so, so bad. Long. I hope there's and not another version of Derek like this. Eight or ten minutes till he eventually just got bored of it, got to his car and took off. And <laughs> I don't think he wrote any tickets or anything, but it was just one of those, you know, again, 99% of the time when you come across, especially when you're younger, it's just people. I hope you guys like that. I don't know what it shows for my level of maturity, but that gets me every time. <laughs> oh, man, how quickly this stuff goes. I promise you I'm going to get to everything. I know I keep saying that every week, but we just we have so much fun, and then we have so much stuff stopping by, and I'm trying to keep it to a, a normal distance. But you guys, again, reach out to me with whatever you want. Let me know uh, if I am doing something good, if I'm doing something bad, if I'm pissing you off somehow. Just, uh, you know what I said, let me know. You, you, you can't insult me. Like, we're all... Uh, Trying to make this as good as possible and hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, and speaking of enjoyment, I know uh, I do very few complaints I get about the old Schiffer and the old Borghardt. So let's go. Well, I, we sort of have two guests, but there's <laughs> one is definitely confirmed. Um, I want you to I want you to note that I'm here always timely, always promptly. I would never pick CNN over you. Oh, heaven is Atlanta news first. Because I said, you know, that backdrop is fake. There's not a thousand people there working on computers behind him in that picture. <laughs> Anyways, Franz Borghardt is definitely here. Josh is somewhere stuck in traffic, my eye. He is one of the best attorneys in Baton Rouge, heck, in all of the USA. He's a regular in Court TV, as well as various other news outlets, but not ATL News First. The hell with them. He's awesome on Talk 107.3 with Brian Haldane, uh, legally served. He visits churches. He's great on Twitter. He is fantastic, Franz Borghardt. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Always a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. You saw now that our uh, we put some of our videos up on YouTube, and uh, I didn't even know you could leave comments on YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I had no oh, idea. Yeah. I just I usually go on there like, 
You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome for me expanding your universe. Because I, I think I, was, I'll, I think I'm going to take credit for the one telling you you should you should have these on on YouTube. You did well. That, that that thing I was using before was kind of shitty, but no, people seem to be really enjoying it. So I don't know. It's, so for so for what it's worth, I during the pandemic I had a radio show uh, that I occasionally still do um, that I would do on Zoom instead of. The radio station and we would record it and play it on the state station and what was cool was people actually like the video more than the audio so and I, I understand in podcast world it's it's about listening but you know we're all most of us listen to podcast i mean if you're self-employed if you have this huge law firm you're just listening to podcasts video watching at your office so it's no big deal if so. you have this huge incredible law firm <laughs> dude i'm like a woman i'm like a mandate stand it's not huge <laughs> I was. <laughs> it's not about the size; it's about how you use it. <laughs> now, speaking of law firms, there was a couple of things I wanted to get to because there was such a shit storm in the news today, and I know that once we get going, we we don't get to get to some of the little stuff. But uh, some of the stuff that came across this week, uh, it, it, maybe you can let us know about these class action lawsuits. Like, for one, again, I had never heard of this until yesterday, but it was actually put up with the legal papers and stuff because you always hear about it, you know, like. Subway gets sued because their 10 inch long sandwich is not a foot long. But is there so, money, like somebody is suing Big Raisin right now? Because so there's I'm a going <laughs> to preface what I'm about to say with some class action suits have very noble and necessary uh, claims that are very big, deal with a whole bunch of defendants, and we need it because it allows us to pursue justice instead of piecemeal. Um, by consolidating, right? And then there are some things like you said that these were raisins, but they're not raisins. No, it's not real yogurt. <laughs> it's not real yogurt. I'm sorry. So in, um, in the case with the court papers and all that, they're like, here's the, here's the the list of what is in yogurt. Here's the list of what's on the raisins, and they're very different. So a lot of times, to your question, is it worth it? Right. Well, it's worth it to the attorneys because they end up getting, let's say you have a class action that involves like 5,000 to 10,000 people. Well, let's say that the 5,000 to 10,000 people each have a claim that's worth a couple hundred bucks. Well, you know, numbers start adding up when you multiply them times 5,000 or 10,000. Right. And then, com com you know, compound that to, let's say you have a class action where it's, it's a million people like a, a a unnamed uh, cellular phone company does an inadvertent service charge that they shouldn't do and charges people $20 a month for a year, more than they should or whatever. Well, 20 times 12 times a million starts being a big number, right? So it it's good for the lawyers. Um, the, most of us only experience class actions when we get a check in the mail from a law firm that says, Hey, you don't know this, but you were a part of a class action suit. <laughs> Good news. And, and here's your, here's your hundred dollars or here's your $50. And so um, the thing that, that pisses me off is, okay. So believe it or not, I'm very protective of our profession. Um, you wouldn't necessarily know that on social media with some of the stuff I post. But that's what social media is for. It, right. It, it's not who you are as a person. It's just who you like to. Well, screw around. well <laughs> so so one of what gets me, what chaps my ass is I get frustrated at taking 
a good legal system, a good civil justice system and and quasi corrupting it by by frivolity. Right. Like like it's not real yogurt. So I'm suing because it's not real yogurt or I'm shocked to find out that this peanut butter that's supposed to be low sugar peanut butter is really still not healthy for me. That is to say that it gets under my skin is is now. Now, sometimes the issue is we just don't have good damages in a case. We may have all the all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. You, you have a claim, you have a valid claim, there's liability, but the damages may not be significant, right? The damages just may be like, hey, you, you know, the damage, you're damaged because a dog barked last night and you lost a little bit of sleep. That's not a lottery ticket, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's just the legal system where it is today. That's that's why I like that's why I like the criminal justice system. There's no there's no more noble game, big game than human liberty, right? It's not about money, it's about human liberty. So, or at least that's what I tell myself to sleep at night. Um, so yeah, big giant class action suits. Some of them are frivolous, some of them are amazing. And at, as it is with many things, the lawyers are the ones who win in the end. Does that waste your court's time or that's just a general, that's just something that kind of gets knocked out in a boardroom over some point. And then they, you're like, you said, they just send everybody a hundred dollars and they hope. Well, they well, the companies that are the defendants will litigate these heavily because it's, it's, it's not just a hundred dollars for the company. It's a hundred dollars times a million. Right. Yeah. So they'll fight these tooth and nails. But what's interesting about your question is a lot of courts around the country will have special, um, what they call mass tort courts where 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 the courts are designed for basically mass torts or 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 you know what we're talking about um and and those courts are special courts where you know class actions are had in those courts so it doesn't really muck up the criminal docket it doesn't muck up the other civil docket still have to have a judge handle these things. You still have to have a court handle these things. It's just, there's ways of dancing around that to where it doesn't, you know, uh, BP oil spill, for example, they had a uh, ad hoc judge appointed to handle all the BP oil spill claims um, that were being handled in, in, in Baton Rouge and in Louisiana. And, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't muck up anything because that was a a judge that got paid a daily fee to just handle the the this big bundle of cases. Yeah, but it, it was alarming that BP oil spill. I think it was ten years ago. But you were obviously at the forefront of that because you were on the uh, the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> well, I was I was not I personally was not at the forefront of it. I was probably working either for the DA's office or who knows where I was working at that time. Um, now, not nearly as interesting as a neighbor ordering two prostitutes <laughs> and having the prostitutes delivered to your house, um, which apparently in Nebraska is a crime. You know what? It, it, it blows my mind whenever we, we post this and we see this, how laws change from state to state. Like um, Matthew Mangino had a great comment. We had one a few weeks ago where... Um, uh, the guy, the guy from um, not Counting Crows, uh, Darius Rucker, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, got in a whole bunch of trouble because he got pulled over and he had a bag of weed on him. And Mangino said, "You can walk around with a concealed AR-15, and the police will just say, oh, you know, on your way.' But if you have a half a bag of weed in your pocket, it's just, uh, you know." And then so, the in, so in my state, 
a, a little bag of weed is you'll get a summons if you're even going to get that. It's you may get arrested, but odds are he got arrested because he's 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 hooty. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's I mean, I celebrate I, I celebrate Darius's entire catalog of the music, both as Darius and as Hooty from Hooty and the Blowfish. I'm a fan, too. I like it. I just I, I thought that that was maybe do you like people really care? Like he's a musician. Do people care that he's he's rocking some weed? I well, mean, you know I, what it is? It, it's also, you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh, he's pulled over for drugs. You automatically start thinking it's coke or he had a handgun or he had this and all that. You're thinking there's a story here. And then, yeah, you know what I mean? It, it's a bag of weed. The guy's a musician. Like, you, you, you just. But then... I mean, if you're going to get arrested, go big. Yeah. Like, go big. <laughs> like, Scarface level of cocaine. Yeah. Like, 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 looking like you've been in a snowstorm all over your face. Go big. Just go yeah. big. I remember when COVID happened, that the documentary on ZZ Top came out, and they were saying that the first time they ever made any money, uh, they did a couple shows or whatever, and they made about seventy grand for the weekend. And they were like, "We spent it all on drugs in one day." He goes, "That was that, that's my rock star moment." Uh, I was just so I've been to multiple ZZ Top concerts live. Um, I'm a big fan of ZZ, um, and I was just listening to one of their songs that's under uh, appreciated. The the I've got to get paid um, cover. And I mean, if you listen to their songs, some of their songs, they're, they're talking about doing some shady stuff. Right. So yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, uh, you know what? I mean, I, 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 I'm not entirely that familiar with ZZ Top, like obviously the hits, but uh, you know, like that being said, uh, Hootie, a lot of the good songs in that are a little bit deeper into the catalog. They're not, you know, let her cry. And uh, that cover. Uh... Look, you can't write, you can't be Darius. Without a little bit of weed, I'm just saying you can't be Darius without a little bit of weed. And Look so, smoke weed. What uh, you know is the ZZ Top one of the best concerts you've ever been to? I can't imagine they put on that great of a show. I mean, I like the music. So actually, actually, so I so believe it or not, I am a huge music fan, but I I don't do concerts a lot because I crowds, loud noise, it, it's just not my my thing. Um, some of the best concerts or more recent concerts I've been to, uh, I've been to ZZ Top twice. Their shows were actually very long shows. They, they even at a ripe before the, um, before the, uh, what is it, the bass guitar player died, uh, th their shows were amazing, very affordable, very reasonably priced. I've, I've got done Garth Brooks a couple of times. That's kind of a thing down here, Garth Brooks. Um, Elton John put on a pretty decent show. Um, he always does. But, when he toured with Billy Joel, we tried uh, we tried to get tickets and couldn't. And then uh, they played a theater up here that only had like twenty five hundred seats, but the the tickets I think the cheapest seat was like twenty two hundred dollars. So who's more popular in that in that on that bill? Is it Billy Joel or is it Elton John? It, it's Elton because Elton's still sort of active. Like I just heard, you know, Billy Joel just dropped a song last week. It's his first single that he's put out in like twenty two years or something. I want to say. Well, so I, I, I guess you get to a point like with music, like ZZ Top. I got the impression they weren't cutting new albums. I got the impression they needed the money. Like drugs ain't free. They needed the money, right? Yeah, well, um, especially like I, I, we've talked to like some musicians and stuff like that in the last while, and they're all like, you know, you, I, I've heard rumors that when uh, Jennifer Lopez and Steven Tyler took the American Idol job, that they were both, you know, in a little bit of financial stress because okay. J-Lo can go out and, and uh, you know, do a bunch of appearances in a couple of movies and make $15 million. 
but the next year she might make nothing. And that doesn't mean that right. you're not doing car payments and house payments and this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, it does, you know, you could have a hundred, you know, you could have a hundred million dollars. Look at, you know, Alan Iverson. What did he go through? $450 million in four years. Oh, I would, let me tell you, if I had that much money, I would definitely go through it in that many years. It would be... <laughs> the frauds, I could do it in three and a half. I mean, it would be the, the stupid stuff I would buy. I mean, look behind me. If, you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can tell that I have octopus paint all over me uh, or around, paintings are all around me. But like I would just I, I have a propensity of spending money on stupid stuff and, and smiling about it. So point is, though, point is um, some of the concerts I never made it to that I wish and I probably never will. I'm a big Motley Crue fan. Never going to be able to see all the guys together, uh, especially now uh, that 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 one of them has basically quit the band and, and um, guns and roses. I would have paid money to see guns and roses. Well, they were um, split up for like 10 or 15 years too, until they got a huge pile of money. They were, they're actually right. they're here. I wouldn't say all the time, but they do Toronto, I guess once a year, once every year and a half. So, so get it. Get, so get this like new Orleans, will get some, some shows, right. But, but really our nearest venue for good shows and music is like Texas, Austin, Dallas, Houston. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love music, right? I never look. I, I know I saw you, ludicrous fan. You were excited when he came out at halftime, dude. Dude, we're we're watching the Super Bowl and Usher's doing, you know, that song, and I'm like, are they gonna? I wonder if they sprung. I wonder if Usher was convinced the Super Bowl sponsors to like spring to get Usher to get uh ludicrous on there and little John, uh, little John, and that little John been ruined right? without little John. <laughs> so, and then the question for me is, okay, so this is the big question. It has nothing to do with law, but it's things I wonder about is like, what does Usher get paid to nothing. do the Super Bowl halftime time? Nothing. It's nothing. It's free. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. From, from what I heard, it was a while ago. I think it was when the weekend did the halftime. They said, you know, they roll out the red carpet. You get to see the, I mean, what a box at the game is worth three or $4 million. And then so you get there is some kind of quid pro quo, yeah, but it may not be money. And I guess, well, I, I again, this is going back a few years, but uh, I've heard like even when we talked with the guy from ACDC and stuff, that the Spotify money and all that sort of thing has gone down. Like that has ruined the music business. If you more and more you look into that, like Snoop, uh, Snoop came out three or four months ago and said that they just hit a hundred million downloads or maybe two hundred million, but anyway, it was a shit ton of downloads. And he said they got a check for 40 grand. So he mm. said, you know, like that sort of thing. So I guess that was tied into you do this and then they promote it three months ahead of time and you get more downloads through this, that, and somehow it's so as a, in your pocket. as a consumer. So I used to buy, I used to be the guy who bought albums, right? I love buying albums. Yeah. Um, I used to buy albums on Apple. Like I would buy, I would buy a digital app. Uh, now I do Apple music. Yeah. And I, and I pay whatever I pay a month for that, maybe 10 bucks. Yeah, I'm on Amazon, same thing. Yeah, so I, I, I'm an Amazon. I'm a Prime guy all day long, and I don't use Amazon Music. But my point is, I don't buy music anymore. Like, no, nobody does. Yeah, so I, I, I feel bad for the artist. I mean, now, but I mean, there's so many different. Like, okay, so Usher does the the Super Bowl show. Let's say he doesn't make any money. Usher has to have somebody figuring out a way of him monetizing. One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I get it selling merchandise or some other advertisement or, you know, he's wearing Calvin Klein jeans or whatever it is. Like I did, I didn't realize no, it because uh, there was no, little... ni there was no nipple slip. No. I mean, he took his shirt off and there was no nipple shield. 
on this show. So I, I was a little. Franz was hoping to see Usher's penis. In so, so I was a, I, I am a big fan of early Janet Jackson music. Yeah. Like early Janet, like Rhythm Nation, um, Nasty Girl. Uh, yeah. I'm just, and so I always am looking for that Super Bowl halftime sh- uh, show moment where it's like the nipple slip shield moment where it's just clearly so joining at the right time you know right. if, if you had to get somebody naked at the halftime show then my vote would have been for Katy perry rather than uh janet jackson there's just something about Katy perry man i'm telling you well Katy perry's not afraid to show some skin i mean I live though um, I, mean, I mean does the internet i mean wait hold on does the showing of skin live really make it much better than whatever the internet ai technology has done i mean like you know what I don't know, but I guarantee you it's illegal in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, clearly, I think that 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 liveness angle is subconsciously really really hot. Like I I, I think that that's something that and the un uh, unplannedness of it. That's I think why people went nuts for Janet Jackson. I didn't think it was particularly erotic at all. No, it wasn't. Any of that just... stuff particularly erotic, but that's that's a me thing. I live with well, you. I don't have a nipple shield, but my thought, my takeaway we, from the we nipple can arrange shield, that. No, no, no. My take my takeaway was <laughs> I can remember in real time what I thought was one, that's her nipple, and two, that looks really painful. That doesn't yeah. look like something that's that's the shield jewelry looked very, very uncomfortable. And I was just gonna say, if you wanted something for your nipples, they sell nipple pasties for men. Oh yeah, <laughs> you no, they jog. <laughs> so I wish I was at my office. I worked in a prosthetic breast factory before law school that made prosthetic breasts for cancer survivors. So exterior oh. prostheses doesn't take away all the period juvenile jokes that having a bunch of people working in warehouses would tell about three hundred thousand square feet of fake boobs. Uh, but lots of good stories from that. But we actually sold. Um, nipple protectors because we sold bras that these that these prosthetics fit in and you want to have balance and look so we had these you know rubber nipples and I of course I'm going to take a handful of them you're 21 you're going to take a handful of nipples I'm 43 uh, I would do that now yeah yeah no, should. so if you come to my office you will see they're wonderful suction cups because they're perfect high grade medical silicone and even 20 years after getting it and they, they stick to anything. And, uh, and, and I bet they do. It's amazing. I can also tell you a lot about distance throwing averages with different cup sizes, because we did a lot of experimentation in and around uh, work hours. I like um, how, I like how Josh prefaced that by saying, you know, it was for cancer survivors and whatnot. I bet you nowadays, 50% of people that are buying that kind of thing are single men. So, we had that, dis- and this is literally 20 years ago. We're talking 1998, 99. We had the discussion about, hey, you know, most of this is for sweet ladies who have, you know, getting back from a mastectomy. But there's that one or 2% of people who are like, what? What? I didn't buy that? I didn't buy that? I didn't have that delivered? And you were like, man, but they were expensive. Like, these were medical devices. Um, but still, yeah, there was there was some creep factor. And the company had just started selling basically mini fake boobs that fit into your bra that's like a lifter so there will be a time there is already a world and a market of buying porn star anatomical oh oh i yeah for a while so so. speaking of j-lo needing money 
guys, at some point in the future, J-Lo, I'm sure it will be purchasable. Uh, it's my question with all of these very attractive people getting their Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame. Um, and, and trust me, if I got famous enough, I would consider this as well. In a very short period of time, if you successfully leverage your fame into the narrow adult universe, the amount of money you can make in a very short period of time compared to your typical lifetime earnings is mind-blowing. So Joshua it's, Tipper real doll for eight grand? Is that what uh, we're talking about? Uh, it's it's not that. It, it, it's, it's eight the, grand well, times. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's in scalability. Here's the thing. If I film a scene or do a live broadcast, there's the sale for that live, but then you can resale and resale and resale. And eventually the media gets so old that it's selling for thousands of a penny per image. But when it's getting clicked whatever, hundreds of thousands, millions of times, wh whoever's getting that, it's like that great movie Office Space, that quarter of a penny, 48 million times, that turns into real money. Super, Superman I break. know people with very little notoriety, but a little, that have jumped onto the uh, custom adult entertainment and made a lot of money real quick. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's kind of empowering as long as we're avoiding the exploitative stuff. You're so, allowed to it yourself. So this is why Snoop Dogg may not make a lot per album anymore, but I would absolutely pay for a birthday greeting from Snoop Dogg. Oh. Multiply that times hundreds of thousands per per day, per, per year, that's whatever. What George Santos, the congressman guy from New York that just lost and they flipped the district in New York. When he left the the Congress, he was doing cameos. And like Jimmy Kimmel ordered them. And man, doesn't take that long at four or five hundred bucks a pop if you're doing work for less than what, five minutes? I bought a cameo for a friend of mine's birthday from a D-level celebrity, and it was the best 150 bucks I'd spent. The guy totally went nuts. Everybody laughed about it. We still play it every once in a while. It's awesome. This for, this post is sorry. I jump in quick. I just wanted to jump in quick. For my 40th birthday, my my family got me a cameo from Lisa Loeb, the musician Kurt Angle. Totally American oh, was hero. Was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. At, but yeah, just totally. one last thing before Fred's talks was. Um, when Cameo first came out, the first six or seven months, I can't remember his name, but the the the, the bigger, the fat guy from The Office, he was the... Oh, um, my, I, I don't remember his name, but he was the first person uh, on that site to clock a million dollars in under a year. So like, this is the question crazy. I have. This is the questions I have, or the question I have for the Cordys and the Cordyverse out there. If... I don't know that we're D-level celebrities, Josh. Whatever... I don't consider myself a celebrity, but, no. but regardless, if Josh and I started not, not a GoFundMe page, not a fans, only fans page, Sex what if Josh and I, page. what if Josh and I started like a cameo? What do you think I or Josh, Josh or I could sell a cameo for? Not a lot, right? 10 like, bucks, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, no, 10, do you, do you 20 bucks is to quote somebody, twenty bucks is twenty bucks. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. You like, know what? No. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but they do go as low as like a dollar or two. But those are for like 
Twitch streamers oh. and stuff like that. The fact that you guys are on national national television. That's kind of a thing. Like for a certain group of people, it'd be really cool and they'd really love it. And yeah. so I get it. And if anybody wants to cameo, really reach out. I don't think we're going to charge you as long as it's something real minor and small and easy. Well, See, I'm sorry, Franz Will and my partner, Doug. Dude, we have a, I have an organic little beast an eight-year-old beast in the other room who eats and doesn't college. contribute. I was going to say, he, he wants still to go that thing. Hey, keeps growing on you. Oh, Worst case dude. scenario, he wants to go to a good college. He needs to learn the hard uh, way. No, man. That... Josh, Josh Schiffer's small sweatshop factory and graduate degree program. You you will learn to uh, uh, per- perfect your handicraft lots Lots of uh, what, what do you call motor skills improvement? Jo- and Josh has got his kid making. Josh has got his kid making driver's license plate. Oh, <laughs> you don't think that with her art we've had extent? Hey, son, you know, young lady, people really like your art, and I'd be nope. Will you please draw that? Nope, because now that's her empowerment as an artist is to say no. So we will eventually get to the business part, but she Uncle Front. Uncle Franzi's willing to pay. That's what I'm like. Tweeting, yeah. there's money. I will put it in the savings account. Josh is like, I know people with money that like to uh, buy stuff. Stupid stuff. I so mean, if you meet my daughter, so I'm the black sheep of the family. I was raised by depression era raised, you know, greatest generation parent. Like my parents were born in the 40s. They were raised by the thriftiest people ever. My grandmother, who was very comfortable by the end of her life, still saved tinfoil. There was not a plastic bag that didn't get reused. And I was raised with some of that. And I was the generation that rejected it. I love gift shops. I love tchotchkes. I love crap. And it killed my parents that every vacation was like, can we go buy a stupid thing for, like, my child, total opposite. My child, I don't know what to buy her. She doesn't want money. She doesn't like dessert. There's the only thing she wants is access to a phone. Well, don't forget, when she's going to be 14, 15, 16, say, Jesus, all my friends have coach bags. Those are 400 bucks. Josh, do you, Dad, do you still think you can sell those babies? We started to get into that a little, but her crew is anti-brand. Ah. They see, so my daughter goes to a really diverse urban school that covers from the richest to the poorest and everything in between, which I love. And her subgroup of friends, I don't want to say anti-capitalistic, but they are decided, they've decidedly rejected some branding and identifying uh, mass affluence stuff. It's a, until so she wants she, a Range Rover for her 16th birthday. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm like, all right. And at some point here, you're going to be like, but dad, it's not a Birkin bag. I told you I didn't want a purse until I wanted like a $30,000 purse. When they come and here, they I, say, the car's normally a hundred grand, but if I don't get it loaded, I can get it for 96000 So can you, yeah, do you write a check or do we go to the bank? And it's ridiculous. Um, but so far, I'm pretty lucky it's going to end. But here, here's the good news. She's already getting a Honda Accord with way over 100,000 miles on it. <laughs> let me, let, let me tell you. First cars. Had a lot of criminals in it. Not not just first car. First of all, I've, I think I've ridden in this car. Second of all, second of all, at, at the ripe old age of 45, I got to tell you, it seems very appealing to me to have like an Accord or a Camry, uh, yeah. it could have like 200,000 miles on it and just 
drive that I, thing into the ground. It won't matter because you paid $1,000 for it. <laughs> I drive the reasonable drug dealer's family car. Franz has been in it. When I needed my last car, I had, when I first had my first big cases, of course, you go out and you get the fancy luxury car and then immediately go, wow, this is really expensive every month and it's not that awesome. And if you scratch it, dent it, hit it, you, you're terrified. So it's like a driving and anxiety attack. And I don't like that because I go a bunch of really sketchy places. Courthouses, you're going to get dented. You go park with the great unwashed masses, you're getting dented. <laughs> so when it came down to place that car, I was like, all right, I want the family sedan. Wanted a four-door. Ended up at a Honda dealership. And the sales guy talks to me. And like three days later, he calls me and goes, hey, Josh, you're the only guy I'm even calling about this. Okay, whatever. No, really. You said you didn't mind a little bit of flashy and a really kind of odd car that doesn't necessarily fit you. I'm like, mm, yes. <laughs> I own a completely blacked out Honda Accord. And when I say blacked out, there is not a piece of chrome on the car. Or the badge, it is literally the blacked out total drug dealer mobile, black on black on black with black shiny wheels. Um, Smells like probable cause. Yeah. Oh, it is guys, rolling. Probable cause. You guys are the opposite of what the TV lawyer is supposed to be. You're supposed to be like, I got a fucking Lincoln Navigator. No, I got so no, many no, diamonds on the gear shifter. It cuts my hands when I put it in reverse. That's Chenko. Uh, Chenko has the giant Tahoe. Chenko has a Mustang. I have a Honda Accord and Truett Cathy's 82 Lincoln Continental. Those are my two vehicles. Um, and the Honda Accord is cops will 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 check me out driving by and you will see them laugh because the last guy you expect to be in that car is this guy. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm your friendly neighborhood middle aged drug dealer. And this is my family Accord sedan. It's the best drug dealer car of all time. There's like, pills in the consoles. <laughs> seriously, uh, it is only because of this that I've not been rousted dozens of times uh i say this though i say this though josh can get away with stuff because who is gonna expect look at that face who's gonna expect that guy like josh is the kind of guy you want to invite over to the house give him some dinner yeah. you know and and the best way to disarm the officer when he comes up and be like hey dude i'm so let me talk to you about all the other cops that i know Cops. And it's like, dude, do you work with this guy or this guy or this guy? And then the next thing that's you know, like, oh, you're a pain in the ass, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I represent a bunch of cops. Josh is like, drugs? I don't have any drugs. Do you guys yeah, want to like, talk drugs. about little John? <laughs> drugs? Where can I get some? Like, come on. You're like, you, you got you got like a lead? I need some clients, right? So, but that's, you know, I and I also, ever since I quit drinking, that opens up the speed lead foot. Because when you know, after several years of being an unbelievably reckless and dangerous drunk, which I was, which is part of my story. Thank God I never killed anybody. Thank God. After years of that, now that I'm 100% sober, I have no problem driving um, in a, a faster manner than I used to because I'm that much more in charge. Okay. I got well, you quick, know. I got, Josh, I got a quick question for you before we talk about some news because we've <laughs> got off the rails a bit. A uh, bit Billy, of news happening. Billy Joel or Elton John? Oh, Elton John, by 10,000-fold, 10,000. And I, I like Billy Joel. Don't get me wrong. He's a great man. Some of his songs are fantastic. Elton John 
has a tie and a bind with Atlanta that literally goes to me personally. He lived down the street from me. Everybody that lived in Atlanta when he was here has Elton John stories, including me. Um, the legendary one was his apartment. Literally, I drove by it every single day. You would all know that's where Elton lives. He spent more money on flowers, local services. Everybody loved Elton John, and he is a saint as far as I'm concerned. If I had tons of extra money, I would be at those series of auctions that are happening right now because they are selling off all of his Atlanta stuff, and it is an awesome set of catalogs to look through. I think they're at either Sotheby's or Christie's. But he had... So we had this one big old giant luxury condo. He bought four, three or four units and combined them together into a multi-floor thing at the top where he had to bring a crane in to bring his art up the side of the building. So one of the multi-bedroom apartments was just a closet. He took away all the bedrooms there and made it into just clothes storage. So much clothes storage that he had little waiting rooms in the, in, in the maze of clothes because you'd get tired looking at all his cool stuff. <laughs> so affordable concert still puts on a very good show for his age. I mean, like he's, it's a good, he's a show person. Like he, it's a, yeah. Show. And he has enough, he has enough in his catalog to where, I mean, it, even if he say he does a 10 or 14 song show, you know, average song, three to four minutes, 90% of the general populace is going to be able to sing the majority of his yeah. Derek thought we were going to talk about Law today. He also, oh. you know, Elton does uh, appearances anywhere in the world. A million bucks, you get three songs, and you have to roll up the piano. He could show up 12 minutes, rattle that off, and... Oh. Yeah, oh, no. Ooh. Elton's on the, on the top 10 of my favorite, absolute favorite perform like he is and it's because he has been he's a great man to my city and see i just wanted to go back to when you were saying that they were auctioning some of his stuff off right before you got on france and i were talking about uh alan iverson going through almost 500 million in four years oh, it man. sounds like if you had you guys had 450 million dollars and we sent you loose at an auction you might walk out with oh that. there is a large large remote piece of land in the american northwest that has my name on it there is a large boat and a small piece of land to dock it off of somewhere in the south. That is, there's a mountain cat. Like, I can spend a couple hundred Santa, million dollars very quickly. So, I would have a house in Santa Fe. Yeah, I could, man. Uh, Southwest, when yeah. we went to the, when we went to the retreat, whatever, three years ago, that was my first time in, in Santa Fe. And I was like, I get it. This is, yeah. is pretty awesome. The arts community, man, I spent a lot of time hanging out there. All right. Well, we do have to talk about some of the news. I, I didn't want to go to the fanny thing because I figured that's still going to keep going on and on forever. And I know it'll lead up all the time. What I did want to talk about, which came up, we're talking a lot about this week, is the the uh, doctor being charged with murder and the, the, the oh, baby being beheaded during delivery. Baby. Yeah. Now, a lot of the stuff that came up was like, Suing a hospital is not a run-of-the-mill lawsuit. Like, very different. Like, not just so much about the deep pockets. It's about, you know... It's one, it's one of the great fallacies of American conventional wisdom, all these frivolous lawsuits against doctors and hospitals. In Georgia and the vast majority of states, in order to sue a medical provider, it has to be what's called a verified complaint. 
A normal complaint is just me writing a complaint and saying, I'm Josh, I'm a lawyer. This is what happened on behalf of my client Franz lawsuit. If it's medical and involves the calling into question medical judgment, not just I sign it. I have to find a doctor who is willing to review the facts and basically state to the court on their license. I'm a doctor. I've reviewed this. And this result falls outside the standard of care. And by the way, I'm going to be one of the witnesses involved in this. And every doctor around is going to know my name as being the doctor that helps other doctors get sued. And that makes medical lawsuits very rare and extraordinarily expensive to even think about bringing. So in Louisiana, we got reform. And so tort reform in Louisiana looks like this. To bring a medical malpractice suit, you have to go before a medical panel, okay, who panel of three three doctors. Uh, they make a decision whether or not there was a breach of standard of care. You can still sue if they disagree with you, but nobody does that, right? Yeah, I mean, but, but, the, but the defense is out front. <laughs> yeah. So, and on top of that, there is a medical malpractice financial cap of $500,000. I was going to get any to that. suit On any suit. And that is that is from the 90s. So there's been no inflationary increase since the 90s, like 97. So, yes, we have medical malpractice in Louisiana. But, I mean, a car accident, it's much easier, right, if you can get those cases. And you're so, going to spend two, $300,000 minimum on bringing any kind of medical malpractice suit. Like, you understand, we regularly spend $10,000, dollars $40,000 on non-medical experts. The moment I need to bring in an anesthesiologist, you're talking 5,000 bucks for him to or her to literally look at the file and give you a non-written assessment. Like I the costs are unbelievable. So it's why when people call in, oh, I've got a medical malpractice, most lawyers are in the position to take a little bit of information that gets the client over the threshold. Like, it does involve medical treatment and it's not a Wendy's complaint. And there was a real injury that is substantive and there's a real position on negligence. But the 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 Fakakta, I'm upset because I got a bad medical. No, man. You can call a hundred lawyers. They will all tell you, I'm sorry, you may have a case, but it ain't for me. Because no one's gonna invest the time and money when even if you do win. So in Franz's state, they're capped at 500. In Georgia, they're trying to do a 350 cap. In California, there's some outrageously low cap. I forget what it is. But our friends in California are like, no, we don't bring it unless it's a death and it's easy. Because no matter how much you win, it comes down. Your cap is, is set. You will never make another dollar over X because that's what the law says the maximum is, even if the jury awards it. Didn't uh, recently Johns Hopkins had to cough up two hundred million plus to uh, one of these one of these cases? That's the Florida case that a got around some med mal because there were some crimes attached to that, and that comes into how you plead things properly. Um, and uh, Florida has some fascinating cap laws or lack thereof. Florida being a a, a low regulation state. One of the offsets of low regulation is is there's not a lot of caps and you get a little bit more flexibility to go hit the big nuke verdict. And that's exactly what the lawyers did. But a lot of that has to do with picking your cause of action and how you're going to travel. 
So, well, it's not surprising that that's a Florida thing because it's kind of it's kind of anything goes. Um, yeah, you, Florida is a wild state when it comes to little to no regulation. Well, like libertarian, though, right? Yeah, so it's oh, like, yeah, no, strong libertarian. Well, remember, you've got this old Florida, you know, uh, you know, Protestant South white. Then you've got a really big influx of African-Americans who have both been there from kind of the olden days. But then there was a lot of migration of African-Americans because there's a huge entertainment industry there. There's a lot of food and bev. Then you had the Cubans, which were a there already. My grandmother worked with Cubans in the 30s in Ybor City when they were already rolling cigars. And my grandfather was off at World War II. And my dad was born at the Tampa Air Force Base. But you've got this huge very uh, politically active Cuban and other Hispanic communities have migrated to Florida. Uh, um, then you've got a bunch of new money. So Florida has some really fascinating politics. You can go from the most liberal to the most conservative by crossing the street, and there's very little zoning. So weird things are next to each other. Like it's why you drive down the big four lane and it, it looks the same for 150 miles. And it's just weird building after weird because there's no zoning. I, I'm pretty sure France has to bounce. Josh, you want to hang around for a bit? Or you got oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fran, I'm so sorry I'm late. No, Franz, no. We have lots it's, to talk about, too. Atlanta today was insane. Bonnie Willis's case, oh, my God, it was going so well for the defense. Then it didn't. There's a lot of really <laughs> interesting uh, factual things. Um, very clearly, the magic, you know, mis not mystery, but the the big defense witness, Terrence Bradley, who was going to come in and rip the Band-Aid off everything, he clearly did not want to be there. Uh, he, they pulled well, I mean, him out. I believe his colonoscopy appointment was why he couldn't be here. And the judge was like, well, he knew about this, and I get that that's important. So he's on the stand, does not want to be there, clearly getting pressure from all sides. And it is... You want to see awkward lawyering. That's some awkward. And, and it comes down to this. Your, everybody you talk with keeps records. And your phone, they can get it. And your texts, they can get it. And your privilege argument, man, that's subject to a lot of interpretation. And keep good records. I just watched them cross-examine him on, so you represented Mr. Wade as his divorce lawyer. You were also his law partner. Did you ever pay him? I don't remember. I don't remember. All right. You don't remember ever getting paid. Okay. Did you have a, 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 a retainer? Probably. Maybe. Did you open a file? Yeah, no, I had a file. And it's like, hmm. all right, guys, you're cool. We're just running stuff slow. And then he's trying to talk about, uh, so the line of question was about, what do you guys talk about besides work? And he, he kept on trying to be like, sports. We talk about sport. Nothing else besides sport. Family stuff. And they start getting into privilege. And it's just a mess. And that's the existential story is what Miss Merchant, Mr. Roman and all that have done is highlighted the mess. All right, Franz, thank you so Franz. much. We will, I promise you I'll save a bunch of the meat on this bone for next week because there's no way we're going to be able to go. Well, we haven't covered anything yet. <laughs> but listen, man, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Josh, you're not all right, so now that Franz is gone, let me tell you all the terrible Franz. <laughs> no. um, right, I just wanted to go back to what you just said there. I thought it was yeah. Funny. When they were like, did you like money change hands? 
It's never an arbitrary. So, it's never an arbitrary amount of money. It's like, I guess, it's think, like if I gave you a hundred grand, don't you think I'd remember? It's exactly like okay, man. Did I spot Franz five bucks seven years? Man, I I don't know. I remember the tens of thousands of dollars. Like yeah. that's that's there's a threshold there with that. That's a lot of money. And are there lots of lawyers who do lots of favors for a friend? Yeah, absolutely. Are there lots of lawyers who hold keep terrible re- absolutely yeah. record? Uh, that's a different. That's a different answer. So no one's surprised that he didn't do all the formalities handling his buddies. But you're in the middle of the most important political prosecution in the state, maybe nation's history. Like a, you need to be prepared, and b, saying I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember. At some point, turns into. I'm not cooperating. I'm being evasive. I'm purposely not remembering to anybody listening. Now, this is interesting because it's in front of a judge. It's not a jury. Judges know all this stuff. Judge McAfee was a federal prosecutor, a state prosecutor, in Sharp as a, pack. Yeah, a yeah. state prosecutor. And like, he may not be the oldest cat in the universe or the most experienced, but if you watch the testimony, evasiveness is something everybody can kind of be like, that's someone not answering the question straight. Like, yeah, we- it's just not. We talked about that before with the Epstein thing, when people were trying to get ahead of it with the, I don't remember, I don't remember. And they were like, you don't remember a guy sending a private plane for you and you taking another plane to meet it and going over to a private island? You don't remember that weekend? You don't remember meeting, I don't know, former presidents. Yeah. Like, you, you remember stuff. I remember the big things from fifth grade, man. You don't forget some of these truly monumental moments in your life. And what happens is people... And it's the worst, the more educated you are. It's your doctors, it's your lawyers, it's your accountants, it's your psychologists, it's your professionals. They make the absolute worst witnesses. And that's, I think, maybe the takeaway. Because they think, and there's their problem. They're smarter than everybody. It's not even I'm smarter. It's I know, and I want to be heard. And I want to be heard in this really specific way. And you know, uh, one of the trainings that, that Franz and I have a lot of fidelity to teach is, if you're explaining, you're losing because it's true. The moment yeah. you have someone explain something to you, your brain identifies yeah. that person's trying to change my mind. It's exactly like a stand-up comedian. If you tell a joke and nobody laughs, then you try to explain to them why it's funny. It just makes it worse. <laughs> it's just going to make it worse. And, and so that's really what's happening when you get these very smart, very accomplished people. D.A. Fonnie Willis, clearly a sophisticated, experienced, excellent litigator came off disastrously as far as I'm concerned yesterday. You know what? You're not running. So we did have a few people get back over the last couple of weeks, but a little bit of things they were confused from. So yeah, with, with Fanny, with Fanny, Fanny, could you boil that down for me just to like rate entry level? Right. Like so just what, 10, what 000, happened and what happened today? So the 10,000 foot view is this. Fanny Willis was elected district attorney of Fulton County. And one of the big things on her plate was this phone call between Donald Trump and Brad Raffensperger that was taped. And in that phone call, Donald Trump says, find me 11,000 votes. And so for the leftward-leaning people in Georgia, they said, that's a crime. And the rightward-leaning people said, no, it's not. It's campaigning. And then we had a slate of allegedly false elector issue come up at the same time. Now, the only place that those would really be prosecuted in Georgia is Fulton County because it's where all the state government is. It's where all the election stuff actually happens. That's the venue. And Fonnie Willis, when she gets elected, is the supreme 
constitutional prosecutor in Fulton County. Every crime that she has jurisdiction, it's her decision whether to prosecute or not. And she chose to prosecute the former president, which was absolutely her right. She was lobbied by people across the nation. She knew exactly how big and crazy this case was going to be. She spoke to multiple people, including a former governor, a couple of really famous former big shot lawyers, and were like, please come and head this. And they're like, no. Now, well, in, in three months ago, she was a this, hero, but this whole thing turned to shit uh, faster than I've uh, ever seen. Super well, because her former boss, Paul Howard, was one of the reasons he was run out of office, is the multiple allegations of inappropriate relationships super he literally finished a trial in federal court that he won yeah um involving some of these allegations but paul howard the reputation was very salacious and inappropriate the joke is that's how fonnie willis knows this law so well she worked under paul howard for 10 years and you'd have to know about how to have sex not to have sex at work yeah that's just what that was part of that office this is an office where prosecutors have been admonished by courts of appeal and Supreme courts because they wear their skirts too short and bend over and show their butts off like really salacious stuff. Back to what happened. So Fonnie Willis has decided to prosecute the former president. She's got to go now assemble a team rather than use the people in her office. She dipped into her budget and decided to bring in some outside contractors, which she can do. And many people would say that's a good call or backup, but it's her call. She gets to make it. When she was selecting that, she, one of the three lawyers she chose was a gentleman by the name of Nathan Wade, and he did a lot of work in the grand jury period and now after the grand jury report and indictment, the actual prosecution. Uh, and everybody's known Nate for years. I've known Nate for years. Um, everybody knows Fani for years. We all, you know, there's, there's lots of lawyers, but there, there's only, what, a thousand that would be fitting in the kind of general Atlanta criminal universe. So we, we kind of, bump into each other. And the case began. Now, also happening at this time, Miss Willis began an intimate personal relationship with Mr. Wade. And that was concurrent with Mr. Wade earning a bunch of money from the county. It was concurrent with Mr. Wade and Miss Willis going on a bunch of trips. And there was apparently some sort of repayment payment. You're not allowed to get a benefit from any employees or anybody like There's a bunch of ethical things, but the law is pretty clear about when a conflict will be imputed into the office. Because if there's a conflict, the entire DA's office is off the case, and it goes and gets appointed to a new DA from another part of Georgia. So Miss Merchant, on behalf of Mr. Roman, found out, as was rumored, about this relationship, did some digging, found out that the dates involved weren't really what people were talking about, that there was a whole bunch more to the story. And more importantly, it looks like there was a lot of room and space for unethical slash illegal shenanigans. Now, that's because Georgia's got a lot of laws and, you know, adultery is against the law. Right. False swearing is against the law. Um, We're talking about sworn prosecutors. They don't just have lawyer ethics. Yeah. Prosecutor ethics. And Fonnie Willis has DA ethics. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of ethics involved, but ethics aren't necessarily the law. They're ethics. She can get disciplined by it the listed, but yeah, it's, it's But that's different than what happens on the case. Right. And props be to Miss Merchant and the rest of the defense team. 
the overall one of the overall goals in the Trump co-defendant's defense is to extend the length of the of the process with the belief that if Mr. Trump wins the election in November, yeah. this case becomes unprosecutable. Now, and, quick question about that. Now, this I mean, this is perfect for Trump because do you think that this has been able to shift the, you know, the, well, we're, everyone we're, looking now, everyone was looking at this one thing and now you've split it off into two. We're getting to that because he has multiple goals as do all of these people at winning comes under several conditions. And they, it's not just, they dismiss it and you walk away. No, there's a lot of different wins and goals in a long-term ultra compli complicated bit of litigation. And in this case, one of the wins is let's make it last past November on that track. I believe they did a very strong job on the defense, um, giving rise to the likelihood of appeals, of additional rulings, of additional inquiry, of additional time-sucking actions, whatever. The date of this case going to trial is arguably pushed back. Right. The other big win that Trump gets to walk away with, the, with this is if there was 100% confidence and legitimacy in the DA's office three months ago, that number is a lot lower now, and I don't care how you cut up the politics. Yeah. Now had credible allegations and testimony about dates being wrong, not being open and honest with the court, lying prosecutors, not just lying, but hiding material, interesting facts from other members of the prosecution team. Um, there's the whole fact that Fonnie Willis Daily Show did an amazing takedown on her last <laughs> night where they basically have her saying, my uh, DAs deserve to work in an office where people aren't sleeping with each other. Yeah. Where people aren't like she just rips it out. And it's like, yeah. And that's why we all loved her. Yeah. No, I, I've seen all the all, all the sound clips. There's got to be there's got to be a dozen of them that are completely <laughs> contradicted. No, I think that she has a very hard time recovering from this legitimacy wise. Oh, you don't. Yeah. The real thing is Fonnie Willis took an arrow to the chest. She, for the rest of her career, like her Senate bid, gone. Yeah, big she, she ain't ever getting elected to Senate. She ain't ever getting appointed to big jobs because the first criticism is, hold on. Yeah, yeah lady who with testimony about lying about dates. And if you watch her testimony, she's very forthright and clear with certain things. But there are things she's just not going to get into. And you can easily interpret some of her testimony as being disingenuous or effusive or evasive. And that's just not a good look. Well, she'll get a million uh, bucks to write a book now, dude. Yeah, well, that's the other thing is she she ain't going to hurt for money forever. And she comes from a wonderful, successful family. Yeah. And she's made good money. One of the worst quotes from her yesterday is as she denigrates what municipal judges do. She literally says, yeah, I was making 100000 bucks a year and working two days a week. And it's the easiest <laughs> thing I've ever done. At which point you heard every municipal judge go, yeah. <laughs> like literally, uh, there are jobs in the law that are a little bit of show up, make work, get paid too much money. Take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. It look like you're working 40 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. And she literally just said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. With, yeah. Being a municipal judge, what a gimme job any idiot can do because it's, it's traffic. You, you make very little really deep substantive decisions it's an administrative court yeah you can't even have jury trials right so for her to say that no not a good look uh, also some of the racial language and sexual language that she used i heard a ton of people focus in on that and say it was either super appropriate or unbelievably offensive yeah uh, i had a prominent 
Caucasian lawyers say, that's another set of words that we can never say in court. And I'm like, well, yeah. And and it's it's good, bad, and different. It just it is what it, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and Judge McAfee, thankfully, has wide discretion and not a lot of requirement for him to talk about what his process is. What he's looking at is a case that has a huge, disgusting, awful hemorrhoid hanging on it. Yeah. And he decides whether he's going to lop it off or whether he's going to put a Band-Aid on it and see if it gets better. If he puts a Band-Aid on it and see if it gets better, Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade stick around and we watch this trial continue forward. And it's brutal. It's petty. It's gotten personal. It's getting a little bit mean. There was some less than professional behavior we all saw. And Judge McAfee's going to have to be on the appellate end of all of that. He's, he's sitting on this bench for at least another five, 10 years. He just got there. He ain't getting a promotion that quick. And that means that all the appeals come back to him. So he's looking at this hemorrhoid going, all right, this is the I biggest was, thing I ever. I never want to see this again. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to deal with this now in a way? But he's also got the obligation to follow the law. And if the law is clear in the arguments that he's reading, because remember, there's a bunch of paperwork involved as well. Um, it gets really hard. But here's the nice part. Georgia gives broad discretion to judges to do what they want. And if he wants to DQ Fonnie Willis, sure, it will get appealed. He can do it. Just put this if thing he, to bed, right? Yeah. If he wants to be like, nope, Fonnie Willis didn't do anything wrong. Boom. She stays on the case. Totally different result. But at that point, you've got a case that has ongoing chronic problems that are never going to go away as long as Miss Willis and Mr. Wade are involved. That's why I keep getting back to something that I think we're going to hear a lot more of especially after the hearing concludes. And that is, hey, she may not have to be disqualified, but it would be really good for everyone, the system, justice in general, for Mr. Wade to step aside and let less compromised and questionable lawyers take over this prosecution, which is still expected to last no months and months. It's a no-brainer. Hey, if you've identified the person that is the source of the bulk of the concern, fair or unfair, doesn't get out. <laughs> but he's the reason people are like, man, you can't do that. Or yeah, you can get rid of it. You have Anna Cross and another lawyer behind this who are brilliant. You saw Adam Abate represent Miss Willis today. I've known Adam since he's been a lawyer in multiple positions. Um, his first job was for a friend of mine in the criminal defense. Adam is a fantastic prosecutor, very effective, very honest, moral the right kind of person. He's a great lawyer. I'd put him on top of this case in a heartbeat and trust him with it. Yeah. As well as Miss Cross and the other people associated from the DA's office. Um, I really wonder what happens because now, of course, we just learned that the relationship between Miss Wade, Mr. Wade and Miss Willis ended. And of course, that's the question of, all right, it's all great as long as everybody gets along. What happens with the breakup? And that gets put into the context of last month the Fulton County Commission had to pay $900,000 to a Fulton County commissioner who was an elected commissioner, and she began a relationship with an employee that then ended, and then the employee sued yeah. and well, got 900000 taxpayer dollars, and the commissioner still on the bench. Well, especially with this, Wade or Willis is going to get the shit end of the stick, and, oh. whoever, and whoever gets that, and then all of a sudden it's going to be, well, you know, there was this, then there was this, because... Uh, Obviously, the sniping of that, because you can tell, you know, there were issues in any relationship, man. It starts at that. We have all been in relationship. 
who knows what they are. Yeah. Kept on focusing on how uh, his cancer treatment, that she said everything but he's in, in, impotent because of his cancer treatment. She literally couldn't have said it more clearly without saying it. I was going to say, you pick the guy to have an affair with and then oh. you, you throw him under the bus. Like, that's just, I don't know, man. Uh, and now <laughs> he realized that a lot of these relationships between the witnesses and Mr. Wade, they're not new relationships. Some of these guys have been in business with each other for 15, 20 years and notice how they have such complicated business relations. Yeah. You get you get Mr. Terrence Bradley, who owns parts of multiple firms, multiple partnerships, solo partnerships, has contracts with different agencies in multiple counties that he prosecutes and defends, is literally a salad of legal obligations that's very, but totally lawful. And now what's happening is he's getting called on the carpet for not doing it all as cleanly and specifically as the, the canons require. And he just got roasted by not answering questions everybody should be able to to answer. And it's does it destroy his career? No. Is it super embarrassing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People and think you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> man, he's been a person that I've worked because he's he's the first appearance guy in Fulton County and for a while Fulton County. So when your client got arrested, you went and found him to say, "Hey, that guy, that guy's mine." Yeah. And Mr. Bradley be the guy to get you the paperwork on because he's a great guy. Yeah. You want to know Mr. Bradley? Get a lot of influence and access. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very effective in certain parts of the state to do very important things. And now you've got the fraternity dynamic, which is very interesting. No matter how you slice that, there's obligations, there's swearings, there's business deals. That gets really interesting. Um, it's a it's a dumpster fire and there's zero clarity left. And that's the win Trump's team was looking for. How McAfee rules doesn't really matter in a lot of ways. I don't think he disqualifies Bonnie Willis, but I'd be shocked if he didn't uh, make himself heard as the judge about his deep concerns about the future of this case. Well, and obviously he could telegraph fire Nathan. Because it, se it, it seems like either Trump's going to use this to get the whole thing started again, just so it can be delayed for another year or two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then like, if, there's, if there's fallout between either one of them, they're, you said they're going to appeal it. So this it's just, you know what's right. funny? You and I have been talking about this for a while, and the, the, the shit cyclone that's happening with the Georgia court system and all this sort of thing. And it's you, an like, awful day for the Georgia court system. Yeah, buddy. and you'd like the court to system's this, a loser. Least, if this thing is being pushed forward, somehow uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and they just dragged you back another six to nine months saying, this yeah. is never going back to normal. And, that, and that's, that's exactly, and you've got to look at wind conditions. You've got to look at the purpose. And all right, so here's me, and I know you've talked to Rachel, who deals with this as well. All right, Fonny, you spent a lot of time on this case. A lot of time. And admittedly, every single member of Fulton County in Georgia is ostensibly a victim. However, there's a jail filled with people waiting to get tried. Yeah. Fulton County had a hack attack, and all of the computer systems in Fulton County have been compromised. And last night or two nights ago, they started sharing confidential documents on the dark web from our court system. Now, that doesn't sound that bad until you realize that's all your personal identifiable information. That's all the cooperation agreements with uh, criminal prosecutions. Yeah. That's the divorce and adoption records. That's the trade secrets. Yeah. 
It's 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 not. Oh yeah, it's we save it in a redacted safe. No, these are the raw doc. These are the email accounts of everybody. And I know there's some interesting information that there are people who may be killed very justifiably from this hack attack. She ain't talking about that. She ain't talking about the fact that her Fulton County Rice Street Jail is jammed. She ain't talking about the fact that at YSL, right before I got here, they just arrested one of the defense attorneys for uh, gang-related charges. I didn't see that. Yeah, I texted you right when I... Sorry for everybody, I was running late and stuck in traffic. But yeah, uh, one of the YSL defense attorneys is in jail in Fulton County on gun oh, uh, on drug or on on um gang charges. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and, and you want to stop a trial? Hey, your lawyer's in jail. Let's let's start over again. Let's let's catch up to the other kids. Uh, yeah, slower. <laughs> you you want to be the one that tells Judge Glanville he can't do this on his speed because one of the necessary mandatory unwaivable party is in jail. All right, good good luck with that. And then what do you do about replacing a lawyer in the middle of what is, according to Brian Steele, a trial that could last until next Super Bowl? (laughs) And then today there was actually a hearing where one of the public defenders that tried to leave because of payment issues tried again to leave because she's getting crushed. Case is never going to end and she makes 5,000 bucks a month and that's not enough for her. And that's, that's an issue. Yeah, there was a there was a few things that we wanted to talk about. I know there was earlier last week. Uh, I don't have the case in front of me where they had the seventh lawyer withdraw. Oh my god, that's that one in the Midwest. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And here's what's interesting. They so the first couple lawyers they'll let you cycle through. Well, I, I would think by number three, you got to say like, we, we this is the no light bulb needs to have gone off. You got to be like, <laughs> all right, are we getting played here? And I, that's what's happening is the system is getting played by someone smart enough to know how to break it because these aren't regular withdrawals. What's happened is this inmate has figured out a way to create an ethical issue, inject it into the relationship at their request, and it is so effective, whatever it is, that seven lawyers in a row have said, I'm getting on this hard case with lots of problems and lots of problems. Never mind, I'm leaving. Yeah, they had a good look at it and said, oh, I fucked up. I got to go home. (laughs) And now it's like, all right, how do you teach the next lawyer not to fall into the same trap? And does that violate the ethics between the prior lawyer and the client? Yeah. comes into a dumpster fight. Which it does, because at the end of the day, you're going to say, well, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a a good defense, so we got to start this whole thing over again. And just... And, and it will be very interesting to see the analysis that eventually gets done. Or, as happens in some cases, you just stay in jail until they can't hold you. Uh, I've got a mental health case where I represent a victim. And the person's not competent, is not interested in ever becoming competent, refuses to cooperate with anybody, including their attorney. And basically, since they're being held on charges that max out at a year... At a year, they're going to let him out of the jail. Is that is is that a good move? I mean, no, no. it's terrible. I, We're letting somebody who is a threat to themselves and others out onto the street with no support and a charge that could have easily been proved and put on trial, except for the fact that the person's incompetent to stand trial. See, and and, and that was my what I was going to say. If you let's say you're borderline incompetent, 
and you know well enough that you can work the system like that to say, listen, if I if they think I'm crazy and I wait a year, I can walk rather than you know go roll the uh, dice in a sense. Competent and crazy, and there a lot of interchangeable words that don't really interchange well. Um, you can be absolutely coherent and plotting and sophisticated and be incompetent. Um, you can be a drooling, babbling idiot and be competent. The competency burden is is tough. Like, it's really tough. And Georgia doesn't, and other states, can't really force you to take medication until you reach certain circumstances. And the plain fact is we've got to do a better job of how we deal with mental health because the current system um, is overly respectful of individual rights, I hate to say, yeah, and not Georgia doesn't have time. About That's community. the problem. There's too much shit. Like, how is uh, somebody who actually needs help going to get help when uh, you go in there and there's fucking hackers and Donald Trump. Uh, and and, and that's the issue. And if, you live, if you live in rural Georgia, you don't have mental health care available. There's not psychiatrists out in rural ask Georgia. No way. Not These people are lucky either. to get virtual. And then you're talking about government, Medicare, Medicaid, VA stuff. We don't have enough VA doctors at the VA. No. Let alone for, by the way, he's great. There was just, I think it was a shooting in the VA hospital by a guy who was there for mental health. And everybody's like, no, he really desperately needs mental health. And he's there for mental health. And and he starts shooting at people. Like, you, you can't believe how the substandard um, budgeting and support of these core safety net programs is, is garbage. Uh, defects, which is our children's care. Holy crap. They take these kids out of horrific situations and then because they're so busy, overworked, and can't get employees, they don't even know where they're putting the kids. And yeah. some of the houses have never been vetted. And they literally take these kids out of broken families, give a financial benefit to foster families. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes that financial benefit far outweighs every other consideration in a horrible, gross way. And they put kids with known child abusers. Yeah. There's stories that will make you just want to shoot yourself. It is I, so uh, impressive. My wife told me a statistic a little while ago that uh, the foster care system in the United States, the, it is less than 1% of them will get a college education. Oh, uh, it, it, the, the studies, everything you will ever read is that the moment defects gets involved in your kid's it's well, a down, it, yeah. it's, it's an it, automatic it, it, downhill. Yeah. Because here's it you've already got parents that are struggling and may not be the most sophisticated. You're going to overlay them a level of monitoring and, uh, and, and scrutiny that they're already not going to really do well with understanding or being able to apply. You had the financial issues because a lot of these defects programs and stuff come with additional financial responsibilities, school responsibilities, stuff where the parents just can't. And, and it is literally, hey, parent, you're struggling with your kid. Let me make it more difficult for you to parent your kid well. And if you don't do it the way we tell you, we're going to punish you by taking away your kid. And there's some really sick, sick results that come out of it. There are parents that want to throw their kids into defects because, on another hand, we don't have resources for parents who are struggling to come out and go, hey, my kid is out of control and I don't have the capabilities Ew. to control them. And they literally say, oh, call the police. And then you're like, hold on. 
go have your kid arrested shouldn't be where the state starts assisting family with child raising. Like, am I crazy thinking that there should be someone before getting your kid arrested that the government will send out when requested to help you control a youth? Who, by the way, all youths are incompetent. That's why they're youths. They cannot be held responsible because their brain's not developed. I was pretty incompetent as a youth. Oh, <laughs> I was incompetent until my 30s. Like, you got to understand, remember 20-year-old you and how you do everything and we're still dumber than a box of rocks? I was a terrible human being. <laughs> I remember coming home and these those the memories of, you know, at the time I was in college, coming home just the super smart college what an ass I was. Yeah. Jesus, I would punch me in the face if I walked in right now. Yeah, what a pompous, snarky idiot. Your brain ain't done in yeah. the 20s. I, I, do, I do like that the government assumes you're an adult at 18. And I was oh. like, it's not like it's a year or two off. It's not even fucking close. And, and really, have you done your fucking taxes, people? Come on, tell me. <laughs> I went to school forever. <laughs> that shit's insane. You will, and it's like, all right, how how do you citizen when you you can't like you just can't? It's too complex. And then we take people out of fragile, difficult backgrounds that may have ninety percent awesome, but ten percent was real, whatever it is, and we throw them into adulthood and are like, by the way, you're totally on your own. There's almost no help unless you've got somebody built in. And the moment you screw up, money, which you know, add poverty to that. Uh, we're gonna destroy. Bonnie Willis, the most offensive thing to me, sorry to go back to Bonnie Willis, she talks about cash a bunch yesterday, and that was a hot topic, because she apparently was told by her dad, who we heard from today, that you always needed to have six months of cash in your house, and that you always needed to have money in your wallet because racial issues, and women especially had to the, and so she was creating this vision of a woman who carried a lot of cash all the time, and certainly had available cash pretty regularly. And that gets into the fact she was apparently paying Mr. Wade in cash, not keeping any records. And of course, he didn't have any records, so just trust them, right? Right? Yeah. Now, she's a prosecutor who puts thousands of people in prison a year. Thousands. The number of times where, and uh, he had a large amount of cash in his pocket, and that's probable cause for a drug transaction. Yeah. He's, uh, Eric Andre, a world-famous comedian, very famous entertainer, hilarious. He got that done to him at the Atlanta airport. We're literally, up, oh, black guy going into first class. Bet he's a drug. Why are you carrying all this money? Because I'm a super rich guy. Yeah. And they were pulling people over. Everybody that pulled through downtown Atlanta got a speeding ticket check where they were picking up anybody that had cash, mostly snowbirds going yeah. to Florida. We like that. Why are you walking around with so much money? And you'd be like, I don't think 10 grand is that much money. Yeah, that's and, why and I have it on me. And that's exactly it. Because so we've got the hip hop community and the country music community and the and the and the rock community who they're like, 10 grand. I made 10 grand last I mean, I got 10 racks. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got regular Joe's and Jane, where I bet if you go pick a hundred people out and ask them what's in their wallet, 90% of them are gonna have less than a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I would say. Like, it, I get shocking looks because I generally carry a couple hundred dollar bills because I do occasionally get paid in cash or when I get money from my bank because I go to a private bank, they give it to you in hundreds. Like, there's reason to have cash. Yeah, but if course. I pull out a hundred dollar bill in the deep for drugs. South, everybody's like, the hell are you get a hundred dollars? But then if you go to Vegas 
or New York City, $100 bills are everywhere. Well, the good thing is in Vegas, you don't have them for long. No. <laughs> they won't burn a hole in your pocket. They disappear very quick. Well, and you know that there's an active push to get rid of the $100. Yeah. Because it's used in fraud. And it's the most uh, counter, American currency is the most counterfeited currency anywhere, but the 20 and the 100. And we used to have bills that went up to literally $10,000 bills. They're yeah. still valid bills because it made it so easy to transport wealth in such a compact form. And public policy is supposed to prevent you from doing that. Otherwise, you turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger getting caught leaving Austria wearing a wristwatch that he didn't declare the taxes on. Yeah. And that's why when you talk about people smuggling, it's, it's a legitimate thing. Why Bitcoin and, and that kind of stuff is such a big deal because I can send you that filthy Canadian who is just, you know, itching to invade, going south. You know, 90% of Canada lives within 100 miles of the U.S. border. Yep. The army is waiting. Um, but, you know, I can send you money with zero records or trace if I don't want to share. Yeah. It makes the money smuggling issues of your very different and that it changed the game too not just for uh, uh drugs and all that but uh i think we talked about this before but that for as little as six thousand dollars in bitcoin you can order a hit on the internet oh yeah oh uh the dark web stuff that's the atlanta hack is they're gonna sell the information on the dark web and apparently um this is from one of the reporters uh literally showed on the web where they've got this stuff posted Shit. and it is a everybody originally thought when the hack happened it had to have been related to ysl or trump or one of the other major cases nope straight up ransomware straight up give us the money we got your stuff uh the city of atlanta got hit with one of these a few years ago and did not handle it very well which is the tough part because the book says don't negotiate yeah the is, these guys just carry Right. They don't give a fuck if the internet if yeah, the info no. comes out or not. <laughs> zero. Uh, I'm going to anonymously post a bunch of shit and not get paid as much. Right. So when the city of Atlanta had a similar, we lost police reports, thousand videotapes, like crime just disappeared. Yeah, because there weren't records. And it's it's all fun and games until it's your case, and then it's like I can't believe the government failed this much. And my question at that point is, all right. Pretty foreseeable that if you run a municipal government, you're going to get a hack attack. You just are. It's, every day. Where's, it's where's the redundancy? Yeah. Where's the up oh, server A that runs the counties down because it got the hack attack? Like everybody knew we were eventually going to get. Steve, go turn on server B. Yeah. Let's get back to bit. The fact that we don't have that um, as close to indefensible as I, as I can get. And I like the people that run this county. I'm friends with a bunch of them. I'm inferior because my clients can't look up their cases online. That's pretty minor. But what about the people in jail? Yeah. Hey, state, can you produce the documents needed to hold me in jail? Our system's down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you see, if your system's down, I need to get the fuck out of jail. Josh, did you turn it off and turn it on again and see if- Yeah, like, literally, it's like, you know, go kick it. Go kick it. Did you kick it? Blow, blow, pull the cartridge out, blow on it. Yeah, close it and open it back up. Yeah, you know how and, this and, works. <laughs> literally, I've got good friend. I was talking with a judge, and he's like, "Yeah, the judges they've got us kind of squared away with these band aid fixes." But my problem is the prosecutors can't bring up the button. And since the prosecutors went paperless as much as possible years ago, they rely on these electronic systems for everything, all the case file. 
They don't have big stacks of documents files to bring to court. They have a tablet or a computer. And so they're showing up to court and going, uh, judge, we were going to be ready to dispose of this, but we can't because of this issue. And I totally understand and want to give the state grace, but my job is to hold them to the fire and go, judge, it is very specific in the Constitution. When the state can't move forward, I get to put up a motion to dismiss. Please, yes. Like, just finish something. Uh, yeah. One and if I, if file I off of your death. Yeah, if I don't, my client's like, you're a crappy lawyer and violating your oath to me to zealously represent you. Zealously Again. representing it means something. Again, you can't Josh, sit back it, and go like, nah, 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 we're going to be cool. It's funny that we've been talking about your court system the last couple of weeks with everybody. We're like, as it was today, we are way farther behind than we were three weeks ago. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a, I'm literally getting texts now about more breaking news on it. Okay, well, we are actually running long, so I got to give yeah, you the boot anyways. We're at I, I mean, I'm so sorry I was late. Uh, you know how much I look forward to this. Talking with you and Franz is a awesome capper for my weeks. It is definitely the highlight of my week, too. Uh, now, for more Josh and Franz, and maybe you need a lawyer, maybe you need advice, maybe you were fired for having sex in a Georgia courthouse, uh, check out Josh. I don't think that's at actually been alleged, but I'm sure. com. On Twitter at Lawyer Schiffer, just uh, Google it, Joshua Schiffer, for an extra helping of Franz Borghardt in Louisiana, visit www.borghartlawfirm.com or on Twitter at Borghart Law, or just use the World Wide Web. Google it, reach out to me. Do whatever you want to do, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you all for listening. Please reach out to me on like Twitter is my thing, the best vector to find me. I hope you're doing awesome. We and, actually man, had YouTube comments today. Uh, and, and this is a historical era, let's just say. It is, because, uh, you know, I didn't want to put my face on the on the internet, but here we are. Oh, no, you need to be on. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Have an awesome week from the Deep South. We will see you next Friday. Can't wait.